Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode number 101 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? I'm your host, Chris Tripodi, and joining me, as always, is Tony Pauline, as the first weekend of bowl games is now behind us, but there are plenty more in store over the next couple weeks before the All-Star Games get going in January. We are recording the show the day before Christmas Eve, so Tony, you ready for the holidays? Uh, no, but I'm sure we'll, uh, we will, uh, I'll, I'll eventually get there. And as I'm sure everyone knows, the day before Christmas Eve is, of course, Festivus. So let me be the first one to wish everyone out there a very happy and safe Festivus. Happy and safe Festivus to all. And, and certainly myself and my wife, we've both been sick over the past couple of days. So I am also not ready for the holidays. Pretty light on Christmas gifts, but, you know, so be it. Not too much I can do at this point. We will look at a couple games from this past weekend before we get into a look ahead to the upcoming bowl games. But first, a word from our sponsor. Football analysts and fans alike often eschew their prescribed rest to watch game film. So, Tony, let's talk about sleep. Listen to these studies from Harvard and Johns Hopkins. Chronic sleep deprivation has been shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. We need eight hours of sleep. You know, the one thing that it also leads to, which I can tell you from my own personal experience, if I don't get eight hours, is general and continued grumpiness. So that's why it's also important to get the eight hours of sleep. Yeah, and we may not notice that as much as our friends and family notice that. I only got eight hours of sleep this weekend because I was sick in bed with a fever. Speaking of which, one of sleep's biggest problems is temperature. It's tough to get a good sleep if you're too hot. We want to tell you about the Pod by 8 Sleep. The Pod by 8 Sleep is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. It was developed by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It also learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically. So if you like the bed cool and your partner likes the bed warm, now you can have both at the same time in a crazy comfortable bed. That's right. Get that eight hours of sleep and don't be grumpy like I am. So sleep longer and deeper so you wake up refreshed and ready to take on the world. Try the pod for 100 nights. And if you don't love it, we'll refund your purchase and arrange a free pickup. They've already sold out of their first two batches. So these beds are going fast. For a limited time, get $150 off your purchase when you go to 8sleep.com slash pro. That's E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash pro. 8sleep.com slash pro. Check it out. Now, we talked a bunch on last week's episode about the FBC Mortgage Cure Bowl between Liberty and Georgia Southern, specifically Liberty wide receiver Antonio Gandy-Golden against Georgia Southern cornerback Kendall Vildor and also fellow corner Monquavian Brinson. The Flames ended up winning this one 23-16. Gandy Golden, five catches, 63 yards, one touchdown. Another highlight touchdown grab, not quite the one-hander he had against Rutgers when we looked at that game, but he won a contested ball in the end zone over Brinson, who actually had kind of a tough game. He was beaten several times in contested situations, had a pass interference called on him as well. 
Vildor, though, had an interception on what was really just too long of a developing flea flicker, broke up two passes, which was actually just too short of his season total. In this game, Liberty had to throw the ball to him to get Gandy Golden involved at all. What did you take away mainly from this one, Tony? This is one of the more interesting games uh, from the weekend. Liberty started off hot. They struggled getting the ball to uh, Gandy Golden because Georgia Southern was able to get pressure up the field. I thought both players that we really highlighted had their moments. Gandy Golden didn't have a a lot of yardage. He didn't have uh, eye-popping stats, but he made big plays in important moments of the game with the five receptions for 63 yards uh, and and one touchdown. Vildor, again, I I mean, he did have his moments, didn't have uh, eye-popping stats, did have two pass breakups. Um, I think we got what we expected from both of the players. It was a game that came down to the wire. And, you know, as we've stated before, both of these guys are going to be at the senior bowl. Uh, and, and I think with both of them, their 40 times, their speed will dictate where they ultimately end up in the draft. Neither of them are very fast. I think with Gandy Golden, you're looking at more of a fourth receiver at the next level. I think with Vildor, you're looking more of a dime back, maybe a nickel back in press coverage. Uh, neither of them I expect to run, you know, under four five two at the combine. But still, I mean, it's going to be – it was a good matchup on Saturday. And I'm sure when they match up at the Senior Bowl in those one-on-ones, it's going to be something to keep an eye on. Now, the other game we want to take a look at, at least from the FBS side of things, is the New Orleans Bowl. There's a battle of fun stories. We have Appalachian State, a team that moved to the FBS in 2014. They've had over 50 wins since. And UAB, they had their football program shut down. At the end of 2014, it was reinstated eventually for the 2017 season. They had seven wins that year. In 2018, they won a conference title at a bowl game. Got neither of those this year, but they did make the bowl. App State won this game 31-17, but they did have a slow start. UAB was up 14-0 in the first five minutes of this game. Really a route the rest of the way. The Blazers couldn't get much going on offense. The Mountaineers sealed it with a 21-point third quarter. And obviously, running back Darrington Evans was a big part of this win. 19 carries, 157 yards, one touchdown, three catches for five yards. Despite those lack of receiving numbers in this game and also the season as a whole, he does show that ability to make plays out of the backfield, smoothly adjust to some off-target passes. He's not a tackle breaker or a pile pusher, though, on the inside. Often goes down on first contact, but very quick with the ball in his hands. Akeem Davis-Gaither, another guy we'll see at the Senior Bowl, Nine tackles, half a sack, two passes defended. Continue to show good ability in coverage. Gets nice depth on his drops, good awareness and ball skills. Does struggle to shed blocks, which will be a problem for him at the next level at just 215 pounds. But a guy who really plays hard and through the whistle. You know, a UAB, it's just such a a fun program to watch because, you know, as you mentioned, (laughs) the doors were shut on the program, what, four years ago. And for the third year in a row, they're in, they're in a bowl game. They don't have any draftable players. Their one next level prospect is Garrett Marino, the defensive lineman. And he basically, as I wrote at pro football network, he embodies what the program's all about. He comes into the season graded as a street free agent. He's now a priority free agent type of guy, maybe a late round guy, not the greatest athlete, not the smoothest uh, defensive lineman, but a guy who gets the most from his abilities. He's incredibly intense. He's smart. Finished the game with two tackles, one tackle for loss, and also broke up two passes. And as you said, you know, early on, it looked like uh, UAB uh, was going to take charge of that game. 
they finally relented because Appalachian State has got the uh, the better talent. Again, as I stated during the uh, game day blog uh, at Pro Football Network on Saturday, Darrington Evans is right now going to go through the process of gathering information and deciding whether or not he's going to enter the draft. As far as I heard this weekend, no final decision had been made. He's about 50-50. I think Evans is what he is. He's going to be a solid situational back at the next level, change of pace runner, maybe a guy who spells the the feature runner on occasion. I don't know that going back uh, in college is really going to boost his draft stock all that much. He's more of a fourth, fifth round pick right now. Maybe if he goes back for another year, he's a third rounder. You know, he's more of a downhill type guy, not a multi-cut ball carrier. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what his final decision is. I think his final decision should be based on whether or not he likes school, whether or not, not he likes the whole atmosphere at Appalachian State, whether or not he's ready you know, for the demands of the next level, because I don't think going back to school for Darrington Evans is going to be the difference between him going in the last day of the draft this year and the second day of the draft in 2021. You know, you mentioned Akeem Davis Gaither. You ought to also got to mention their other linebacker, Jordan Fur, who uh, led all uh, tacklers, all defenders in that game with 11 tackles, sort of a limited athlete, uh, Sort of like Garrett Marino of UAB, the way I was describing him, a limited athlete, but a smart, tough run defender who you're going to stick in the middle if he makes it the next level as a backup middle linebacker. He's going to have to play on special teams. Don't think Fur is going to get drafted. In fact, I'd say the chances are very unlikely he gets drafted, but he is one of those guys to keep an eye on because he, he will be signed as a uh, undrafted free agent to keep an eye on camp uh, when that second unit plays and especially on special teams. Now, a move from a team that went from FCS to FBS play to a player that went from the FBS to FCS, and that's former Pitt quarterback Ben DiNucci, led James Madison to a 30-14 to win over Weber State in the FCS semifinals. JMU is going to get North Dakota State in the championship on January 11th. DiNucci in that game, 19 for 26, 255 yards, two touchdowns. This season, completed over 71% of his passes, 27 TDs, five picks, also ran in seven scores. Real big improvement over his first year with the Dukes after his transfer. What do you like about Danucci's game, Tony? Everything. Everything. I mean, this is a guy who I wrote about early on at Pro Football Network. was one of my small school sleepers and a guy to watch. And he just gets consistently better and better. Danucci was not even graded by scouts coming into the year. was not even mentioned. Right now, he is not slated to play in any postseason uh, All-Star games. Uh, he's not in the Shrine game, which I think he deserves to be. He's not in the NFLPA game. Maybe he ends up in the uh, revival of the Hula Bowl. But I, he caught my eye off the 2018 film because while he made some questionable decisions, the athleticism, the arm strength, the ability to command and control the offense, the way he spreads the ball around to all his targets. And it, it just, he's just gotten better and better this year. I mean, you look at the games from November on. New Hampshire completed 79% of his throws. Richmond, 84.5% of his throws. Rhode Island, 88.9% of his throws. Monmouth, which was the first playoff game, completed 84% of his throws. Northern Iowa, that's got a pretty good team, 67.9% of his throws. Weber State, as you mentioned, which has a terrific defense. I mean, they've got three defensive prospects in that front seven at Weber State. 73% of his throws, 27 TDs this year. It's cut down on the interceptions, only five interceptions. He doesn't have a great arm. His arm strength is passable, but he's more than a game manager. He's a guy who can make plays in the pocket or outside the pocket. 
Danucci, as far as I'm concerned, I think he's a guy who is going to surprise on draft day in the sense that no one's talking about him. I think he's going to slide into the late rounds, and I think he's going to stick on an active roster next uh, fall as a number three uh, quarterback. Now we'll start our look ahead to the upcoming bowl games. Just one game before Thursday, and that's the SoFi Hawaii Bowl on Christmas Eve. Nine and five Hawaii will face off against seven and five BYU. The Rainbow Warriors won four straight before losing in the Mountain West title game to Boise State. BYU, on the other hand, started two and four, won five of their final six to become bowl eligible. Not a ton of prospects here in this game, but BYU junior tight end Matt Bushman is one of the country's top tight ends, and he says he'll make a decision on his NFL future after this game. And from what I'm told, that decision is he's going to enter the draft. So I, I think when you're watching this game, watch number 89, Matt Bushman. Uh, everything I've heard all season long, he's an, uh, an older guy uh, being at BYU. I believe he went on a Mormon mission. Uh, terrific pass catcher. Uh, I think his, his numbers this year, 41 receptions, 597 yards for four TDs. He was someone, even if he watched the film last year, you could tell he's a real good pass catcher. You look at BYU's history, they've had a lot of good tight ends that have come out of that system, that have come out of that program. Bushman is next. I'd be surprised if he goes back to school. I'd be surprised if he announces he's staying one more year at BYU. I think it's about 80% right now that he enters the draft. Where does he end up in in the draft? I think you're looking at a last day pick, a guy who's fourth, fifth round, unless he pops off some great workouts. Uh, I mean, he's someone on the college field who makes a lot of plays with his head. He's instinctive. He finds the open spot in the defense. He knows how to work with the quarterback. I just don't think he's a great athlete. With that being the case, I think he's worthy of a fourth, fifth round choice, unless somehow I'm way off and all of a sudden uh, come combine and or pro day, you know, he's running in the low four sixes, which I think is going to be, I I would be surprised, but still, he's a very, very good football player uh, who I think has got some qualities to make him a, a good number two move type of tight end at the next level. Now, Thursday's two game slate kicks off with the walk ons Independence Bowl. Now, the last time we discussed the Miami program, it was about them being in shambles after losing to Florida International. They followed that up with a loss to Duke, finished 6-6 and for the first time since 2014, that they had fewer than seven regular season wins. They'll get to face 9-3 and Louisiana Tech in this one. Now, despite Miami's struggles, they still have several prospects to watch, especially on defense. The Bulldogs, too, have a couple potential late-rounders in cornerback Eljarius Sneed and wide receiver Adrian Hardy. What are you watching in this one, Tony? Well, it's going to be interesting to see who's playing in this game and who's not playing in this game. Miami's already had a couple of guys who have declared. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, I had mentioned a week and a half ago that Amik Robertson of Louisiana Tech was going to declare, and he may not play in the bowl game. <laughs> I was then called, uh, to, to be polite about it, a liar by people uh, uh, from his camp. Of course, Amik Robinson has since declared for the draft. Uh, I don't know whether or not he's playing uh, in this game. Uh, I expect Trajan Bandy, the cornerback from Miami, to enter the draft. He's my highest-rated hurricane right now. On paper, this is a game that Miami should win easily. But as you said, I mean, the last time we talked about them, it was when they basically, you know, were in shambles against FIU, a game that on paper they also should have won very easily. Uh, So we'll have to see. We'll have to see how motivated they are to play. You know, as I said on Twitter after they lost to Florida International, that sort of game in the past when Miami Hurricanes losing to Florida International is is a type of game that would have got the coach fired. 
Uh, obviously, it's a first-year coach. We'll give him some time to see what happens. But he really needs to, to turn that uh, game around. Jeff Thomas, another guy uh, from Miami who's already uh, declared for the draft. I don't know if he's playing in this game. Thomas is an undersized receiver. Right now, I have him graded as a six-round pick. I got into an argument with a lot of Hurricane fans who took me to task on Twitter uh, before the season began, saying that Jeff Thomas is a uh, is a first or second round pick. No way, I'm sticking to my guns. I th- I see him as a six round pick at best. There's some underrated talent here, and there's also some underachieving talent, primarily on the Miami Hurricane sidelines. So, an update here on what Tony was saying: Jeff Thomas is not playing in this game. Trayvon Hill and Jonathan Garvin. Also all declared for the draft. They are not playing, but it looks like every other Hurricane is going to play in this game. You know, and Trayvon Hill, another one, when I talked about underachieving talent, Trayvon Hill was a guy who I talked up big time coming into the season because I remember what he showed at Virginia Tech, his explosive pass rushing skill off the edge. Uh, Just a little revisionist history. Had a great 2017 season. Was kicked off the, uh, the Virginia Tech team at the beginning of the 2018 a campaign when they lost a bad game to Old Dominion, my sources told me that there was an altercation or something happened in the locker room, which was a buildup of what had been going on with Hill. Really was hit or miss this year. And a guy who I think would have been better off staying uh, at Miami for another year to improve his game, but he's got some terrific underlying skills, or I should say, if he ever gets back to where he was in 2017, when he was showing those skills, he would have been highly sought out right now. I, I don't think Hill, and I was a big supporter of his coming into the season. I don't see him as anything other than a late round pick at best. Now, next up, we have the quick lane bowl between seven and five Pittsburgh and six and six Eastern Michigan. Both teams are limping into postseason play. Panthers lost two of their last three. The Eagles finished up with a loss to Kent State, team which beat Utah State in the first bowl game of the year on Friday, or second bowl game of the year, rather. We've discussed wide receivers Taysier Mack and Maurice French, as well as cornerback Dane Jackson at Pitt several times on this show. We brought up EMU offensive tackle C.D. Sow, guy we highlighted in the Mack preview this summer. Tony, what are you looking for from these guys in this game? I think, first of all, you got to give Eastern Michigan credit. Uh, this is another year they uh... – they're in the bowl game last year. It was a, they played against San Diego state, uh, our buddy, Max Crosby, uh, in, in a bowl game. And they're back in another bowl game this year against a better competitor. That said, uh, I'd be surprised if uh, Pittsburgh doesn't win by at least three or four touchdowns. I think really from a, an NFL, uh, draft point of view, the two players to watch are two guys that you didn't mention, both on the Pittsburgh defense. They are both redshirt sophomores who I hear are uh, considering entering the draft. Uh, Jalen Twyman, the defensive tackle, and Paris Ford, the safety. Twyman is an explosive playmaking three-technique tackle, 38 tackles this year, 12 tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks, as well as two quarterback hurries. Paris Ford leads the uh, Panther defense with 86 tackles. He also has three interceptions, and he's broken up 11 passes. These are guys who I think are both mid-round choices. You have to see what their uh, their testing numbers are like. Uh, Twyman is not a real tall guy. As I said, he's a three-technique lineman. He's a very good three-technique lineman, but there's not a huge market for that type of player at the next level. But keep an eye on both of these players, Paris Ford and, and uh, Jalen Twyman, because this could be their last game with the Pittsburgh Panthers. Now, speaking of Pitt, they beat UNC in OT 
on November 14th, a loss which dropped the Tar Heels to four and six, but two straight wins have UNC in the Military Bowl presented by Northrop Grumman against eight and four Temple and quarterback Anthony Russo, also friend of the podcast, linebacker Sean Bradley, will play in this game, said he never even considered sitting out to prepare for the draft. UNC's prospects to watch are mostly on the defensive side of the ball, although their top prospect is probably offensive tackle Charlie Heck. In the end, there really should be some good matchups in this one. Break them down for us, Tony. Yeah, and it's good to you know it's good to see that Bradley says that, and, and we wouldn't expect anything other from Sean Bradley after our interview that we did with him over the summer because he just came across as a terrific player. And a little revisionist history, you know, Bradley came into the season graded as a potential late seventh round pick by NFL scouts. When we interviewed him, I said at the time that I had him as a third, fourth rounder. If you go back and listen to that interview, I mentioned to Sean that scouts estimated he was a 4-8-40 guy. And he's telling us, he told Chris and I that uh, he thinks he's going to run, he could run in the 4-4s at the combine, possibly the 4-5s. He literally laughed at that. Yeah, he did, because he's, he's got a track background. I mean, he, he was shocked by it. Uh, scouts have now said they agreed, you know, he's a third, fourth round type of player. This game... It, it, this is one of those games where the, the final may be 10-7. I mean, this is going to be defensive battle, and, and it's just linebackers, linebackers, linebackers. We just talked about Sean Bradley. Temple's got two more outstanding linebackers in Chappelle Russell, as well as uh, as well as Sam Franklin. Both of those guys are last-day picks. And, of course, uh, North Carolina's got quarterback turn linebacker Chaz Surratt, uh, the brother of the receiver Sage Surratt from Wake Forest, who I hear is considering entering the draft. I think Surratt's likely to go back to UNC, but I hear he, you know, he's he's in the information gathering process, and it's something he's going to consider. Also, got to keep an eye on uh, North Carolina defensive lineman Jason Stobridge, who's had a terrific year. I believe we're going to see him at the Senior Bowl, uh, sort of like the Pittsburgh defensive lineman Timon, who I mentioned, in the sense that he's more of a three technique type of guy but he's really had a good year and has really improved his stock in the eyes of uh, NFL scouts. Now, Michigan State, like UNC, won two straight after a four and six start to sneak into the new era pinstripe bowl against Wake Forest. And the Demon Deacons started seven and one, lost three of their last four games, including the finale against Syracuse, where quarterback Jamie Newman suffered a leg injury, missed a large portion of that game. He will play in this bowl. Defensive end Carlos Basham Jr. also will play. He's going to return to school in 2020, as will injured Sage Surratt, as you mentioned a few moments ago. No Spartans are sitting this one out. Kenny Wilkes did consider it since he broke his leg in last year's bowl game. But in the end, Yankee Stadium could have a fun one on Friday. Yeah, as it usually does. I mean, that game usually is worth the cold weather that, uh, or the miserable weather that you got to sit through. But, you know, as you said, Basham announced on Twitter he is returning to school I was told, and I had reported all along, he was waiting on what his grade from the advisory committee was going to be. If it wasn't a first or second round grade, he was going to return to school. I was also told that his mom was pushing him to return to school because she wanted to see him get his degree. I know some scouts that still believe that Basham, had he entered the draft, would have been a top 42 choice. So it's an interesting decision. I'm also told that Jamie Newman, the quarterback from Wake Forest, who you mentioned, is sort of in the same situation as Chaz Surratt and that he's considering the draft. He's in that information gathering process. I think it's less than 50-50 that he enters the draft. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how Jamie Newman does against that Michigan State defensive uh, line that when they're on their game, 
whether it be Wilkes, who, who you mentioned, Raekwon Williams, when he decides to, you know, to step up and play the way he's capable, Naquan Jones, they can get some pressure up the field. And the fact that he doesn't have Sage uh, Surratt to throw the ball to uh, could be a problem for Jamie Newman. Should be a good game. Hopefully we get some decent weather there. But keep an eye on Jamie Newman, how he plays, because I know he's considering uh, making the move to the next level. Now, Friday evening, we'll see Texas A&M off consecutive losses against Georgia and LSU against Oklahoma State, who's coming off a loss to Oklahoma. These two will play in the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl. Now, without injured Cowboys wide receiver Tylen Wallace in this one, we'll be watching the Aggies offense and the OK State defense, which sounds very strange to say about Oklahoma State. But wide receivers Courtney Davis and Jamon Osborne will go up against two NFL corners in A.J. Green, who is senior bowl bound, and Rodarius Williams for the Cowboys. Yeah, A.J. Green, if he has a good senior bowl, he's really going to move, is going to move up draft boards. When I say move up draft boards, I have him right now as a late second, early third round choice. He could move into that middle part of round two. He's got the size at six foot one, 195 pounds, estimated to run the mid four fours. Uh, and as a guy who just flashes ability. So against the Texas A&M offense that often likes to throw the ball and then the senior bowl, Green has a big opportunity to move up draft boards. Now two hot teams will face off at 8 p.m. Friday night in the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. Both USC and Iowa have three straight wins entering this contest. The Hawkeyes' top two prospects, offensive tackle Tristan Wirfs and defensive end A.J. Epinesa, reportedly didn't even consider skipping the bowl game, which seems to be a theme of this episode outside of some of the Miami guys. All the Trojans' top prospects will play as well. Wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. wavered a bit before announcing he was in about two weeks ago. So you have two hot teams coming in at full strength in what projects to be a very competitive game. I know uh, Twitter was a buzz this weekend because I guess Tristan Wirth's parents canceled their subscription to an Iowa Hawkeye football magazine, and everyone was reading into that. Listen, as I said last week on the uh, on the Philadelphia Eagles podcast, Journey to the Draft with Fran Duffy, that I've done for a couple of years. You know, I, I've heard for the last couple of months that Tristan Wirth is leaning towards staying in school. That may change, but he's an Iowa guy. He likes Iowa, uh, and I think, as I said a number of times. What you're dealing with during the season are guys who are making emotional decisions. Once the season is over, they start the information gathering process. They see the money that they could potentially make, especially with worse, who if he enters the draft is going to be a top 15 pick. That may change. But I, as of last week, I had heard that he was uh, leaning towards uh, staying, in, uh, staying in school. The, one of the better matchups to watch, you mentioned Epinesa. Epinesa against USC left tackle Austin Jackson who I'm told is very likely to enter the draft. He projects as an early second round pick, a terrific pass protector, uh, should be able to stop Epinesa around the edge. I'm just wondering if he's going to be able to handle Epinesa's uh, power. And, and then keep an eye on uh, USC wide receiver Tyler Vaughns, who I'm told will enter the draft after the game. Now the final game we'll cover this week is the Friday night finale at 10:15 at Chase Field in Phoenix. And that's the Cheez-It Bowl between Washington State and Air Force. When we last saw Mike Leach's crew, they were dominated by Washington. Senior bowl-bound quarterback Anthony Gordon really struggled in that game. That was almost a month ago. Air Force comes in with seven straight wins, and they boast an above-average pass defense. So it'll be interesting to watch the Cougars' offense. And not just Gordon, there are a few receivers to watch as well. But we'll be taking a close look at them to see if they can bounce back in their finale. You know, Gordon needs a big game. 
and he should have a big game. Air Force comes to play. I, I mean, like all the other uh, military academies, they play above their heads. Uh, they get the most, if not more, from the talent on the field. They find ways to make plays. But Anthony Gordon needs a big game. If he does not show well uh, against Air Force, I mean, he's going to be questioned about it. And it's going to put even more pressure on him when we see him during the Senior Bowl. And that's it for the 101st episode of The Draft Analysts, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us questions on Twitter that we'd be happy to answer on the show. As a reminder, head over to profootballnetwork.com to check out all of Tony's work from now through the draft and make sure to listen to us every week and frankly multiple times a week over the next few months for more information as draft season starts to heat up over the next several months. For Tony Pauline, this is Chris Tripodi. Good night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.